Good morning. We are pleased to welcome you here to the service in the assembly here in Coolidge. And we're very pleased to have those joining us uh, via the internet. I always say internet instead of the particular page. Uh, I guess if you're here, you know what it is. I might not get it right, but we certainly enjoy uh, all of that. And all of you, especially with your interest in your comments and all, we thank you for that. We have been looking at what I call the ancient pattern of the faith. And this is the fourth one um, in that, that series. <clears throat> the... Um, my, uh, my idea here is that it may be the ancient pattern, but it's certainly for the Lord's assemblies today. Um, sometimes things that get ancient get nearly unusable. Uh, I think I might have some examples in my business. Uh, but and it's not that ancient. I mean, 100 years, that's not bad. But nonetheless, uh, this is not the case here. The, and in, in the text today, we, or maybe better said they, of the Philippian assembly, when they received this, le- this letter, were urged, <clears throat> were urged to live in harmony in the Lord. To live in harmony in the Lord. Now, this, of course, was the ancient pattern, but must be continued as the pattern we have day by day within the Lord's assemblies. Amen? All right. We need to be in agreement on that because uh, certainly um, that is a a big part of the assembly is this idea of harmony. Uh, harmony doesn't mean that we have to totally be, uh, you know, clones of each other in every aspect. Harmony is that we stand for the truth in the Scripture. And, um, and we can spend the rest of our life making sure we understand that, that truth together. So as we go to the text... Um, Philippians chapter 4 is where we're at. I love this, um, this uh, chapter and the way it's written. Um, especially the first part of it that I'm going to deal with today. But I think I will pick up the last part of it maybe after the uh, new year. <clears throat> but the first idea that we come across in this text is the idea of Standing firm. Now, I'm reading from the American Standard Version. It might be a little different than what Alex has up there. You got it? Okay. Um, it's, it's good. It's not quite as good as Young's, but it's pretty good um, as far as accuracy goes. Let's just hear the first verse. Wherefore, my brethren, beloved and longed for, My joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my beloved. 
Now, when I read those words, I understand they were written to them. But how could this teaching ever become outdated or fade away? Standing fast in the Lord. Um, but you have to ask yourself a question. Has it become, has that statement become outdated? You know, we do have some examples in history where, even recent history, where it, we don't find everyone standing fast in the Lord for what? For the message, if, if you will, the truth of God's word. <clears throat> I like, uh, Roger brings us a, a meditation uh, about a section of scripture has to deal with our lives. And yet it seems like people everywhere just ignore what the scripture has told us about living, relationships, how we deal with our everything in our families and our lifestyle. Very important. Well, that's just the first verse, but how about the, the, uh, the second and third verse it give us the idea of the live in harmony, but not just live in harmony. In the Lord, that's the qualifier. There's a lot of harmony out there, friends, in, in concepts and lifestyles that are not in any way pleasing to God. But living in harmony in the Lord makes us understand just what it is that we're called to do. I exhort uh, Iodis and I exhort uh, Cynthia to be of the same mind in the Lord. That's the harmony he's talking about. Uh, apparently two of the women in the church there. Yea, I beseech thee also, true yoke fellow, help these women, for they labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now this is a very personal, personal statement to the church in Philippi, and it's nearly 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> and it's the apostles' uh, wish that they would, whatever the dispute is, and if they were working with Paul, it could have been uh, many times we find people had a close association will argue about what someone said, uh, the apostle, or where they stood on an issue or something of that sort, whatever it may be. He wants them all to work together and solve this issue because they need to stand firm in the Lord and live in harmony in the Lord. Now, I, I ask you today, is not this a continuing practice for the Lord's people? Well, I think we all know it is. I don't know about you, but I've had a little disharmony and a little um, 
in problems such as this in, in the church through through my my life. Um, um, some of it I just witnessed. Um, didn't really affect me. Uh, later, much later, it became a lot more personal. So, uh, and yet, we have to understand that people, some people have a different ideas and their backgrounds are so powerfully driven. Um, you know, that's not what brother, brother so-and-so well, I, I go. I understand that. I have the same feeling. But let's look at it again. Let's look at what, what it is being talked about in light of Scripture and look at it again using all the tools that God has given us to understand what the Scripture means. Then we can know then we can have harmony. Then we can stand together. And you know, you know, I feel I've, I've had some failures when it came to trying to explain certain things that are amiss between brethren that the best I could do, the thesis that I wrote to explain it all, not one comment was made about it to me, and yet there was total disregard. And that's, that's not harmony, friends. <laughs> that's just humanity, and we've got to do better than that. Now, that doesn't mean that just because I wrote it down, it means it's 100% right, but it was a lot closer, oh, far closer than the argument is. So I have some experience with that. And yet, um, one thing we find here, uh, we notice that Paul doesn't say, now look, you need to throw out these women and don't, don't bother with them anymore. Go your own way. If they, somebody else agrees with them, send them out or whatever. No, no, that, that's not what it is. Church, church is coming apart over these arguments. That's just a huge failure. That's not right at all. Uh, unfortunately, that's, that's what we see many times. This is calling us to, to do a better job at living in harmony. If we can't do that, then we're letting the Lord down because he certainly died for each one of us and he wants us to be in harmony in him in the truth now sometimes the truth is has levels of understanding and not everybody needs to be on the same level and we shouldn't be talking about somebody that's not quite up to our level and on and on it goes so we need to be careful and be loving. That's why I said we must do all of this in love and wisdom. That's what the Bible teaches. He goes right from that to a statement that I love here in, in verse 4, 4 through 7. What's it say? Rejoice in the Lord always. 
again I will say, Rejoice! Let your forbearance be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. You know, I love it when something ends with some kind of a promise, you know, some kind of a conclusion for doing things. Because we do certain things, this will happen. That's what, I really enjoy that. Now the word rejoice here, the Greek rendering of of that English word, uh, the original Greek word, we translate it rejoice, and it simply means to be delighted, to be glad. You know, my idea here is, have you ever seen anybody that was really delighted and really glad about something? You notice that the expression on their face changes, doesn't it? I think we kind of lose that as time goes on. You know, it, you know, it can become mundane. Now, I'm afraid that's what happens many times. Uh, we become mundane as we're supposed to be rejoicing. And that's our character is to rejoice. So the call is there. We need to be busy about it. Verse 5, let your, my, my Bible says forbearance, but the Greek word is gentleness. Let your gentleness be known. You see, that's an attitude. He is a, a gentle soul. She's a gentle person, a kind person, a thoughtful person. Those are good qualities. And you know, they're always noticed whether it's a person that has a lot of problems or somebody who's gentle themselves. It's always noticed. So that's why it says, you know, let your forbearance or gentleness be known unto all men. Let it out. It will, it will change your, your ability to represent the Lord. For the Lord is at hand, it, it ends here in verse 6. The Lord is at hand. Um, now some would say, well, what do they mean by at, at hand? That was 2,000 years ago. Do you think, you think the apostle made a mistake there? Or do you think there's something that hasn't, been tra- hasn't carried through? in the 2,000 years. Well, I'm afraid that there is something that's been missed. Now remember, the at hand, the end of the age that's spoken about in the New Testament has to do with the Jewish covenant age. Let me say it again. The end of the age has to do with the Jewish covenant age in the New Testament, not the end of our days, okay? 
repeat myself, I repeat myself. Um, nonetheless, when, when, this, when this letter was written, it was A.D. 62, 63, the end of the Jewish covenant age, 70 A.D., about seven or eight years. They were very close to that, the end of the Jewish um, expression in the world. Uh, they call it the Jewish economy, but it's not business. It's all to do with, with the Jewish lifestyle. Jews were gone. Those that didn't die all over the world were taken, uh, taken north. Well, some were taken south to build a ramp up to uh, Masada. took them three years to get up there, and they found us, uh, about 70 Jews up there that had uh, killed themselves. And the rest were taken north. They were put into, sold into slavery, and on and on it goes. It was only a small handful that went up to Tiberias just to document, just to keep the, uh, and they were all priests, uh, to keep alive the, the history. And there were other historians. But that was the end of that. But it was prophesied. But see, that's just the physical part of the end. The Bible talks about the spiritual part, the idea of, of judgment and, and reward for the Jewish people. It's confusing to people, modern people, if you will, because we never think about the Jewish covenant, but we should. Let's move on. Verse 6, let your thankful given prayers be useful in your request to God. Now, I say thankfully given. <laughs> we, need, we need to learn to pray in a way that's appropriate. We know that prayer, we always say that prayer is not a shopping list. That's not the idea. But a thankfully given prayer, as Paul says here, it's a, a supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Let them be known. It's not wrong to pray. It's right to pray. But your, your state of mind, your attitude is very important. So I say, let's learn to pray and let's continue to pray. And in verse 7, the peace of God. Uh, Alex, will you get uh, Isaiah 26? Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. This is the peace of God that he's talking about. Isaiah 26. Yeah, verse 3 and 4. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in Jehovah forever, for in Jehovah, even Jehovah, is an everlasting rock. Now, this chapter is dealing with um, the welfare of Israel and, and the promises of God to them. But that's why it says in Trust Ye in Jehovah. I would say when it comes to this idea, the peace of God, this is where we find peace. Have you ever, 
experience, if you know somebody that's never told you a lie, you just trust everything they say. And that's what, how God is, only more. All right? Remember, God keeps his promises. And we got a whole Bible to look from creation all the way through. Did God keep his promise? Yes. He said, I'll bless you if you do this. I will destroy you and your children if you do this. And that's exactly what he did. God keeps his promises. Now we need to keep our promises to him and to each other. The last thing here, the last two verses. Finally, brethren. So he's concluding this thought. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. The things which you both learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Why do we stress that we teach and follow the apostles of Christ's example and words? Because of this. And these qualities, you know, I know these words are translated the best they can. The funny thing is, in the footnotes, they got a different word for almost everything they've translated in English. But in, from the Greek itself, true. You know, whatever things are true, and that simply means what is, what, what is truly a, a true reality, nothing concealed. Isn't that the truth we want? We want the truth without something concealed from us. That's what Christianity is. No mystery, regardless of what the denominations say. There's no mystery in Christ. It's been revealed. What is noble? Whatever is noble, that is, whatever is reverent or found in high esteem, that's what noble, that's where they get the idea of nobleman um, should be, have those qualities. Whatever, is, uh, whatever things are just, and just simply means the right state of being. And what's the standard of just? The standard of just is everything that God has said. That's what's just. Pure simply means uncontaminated by anything. You know, if it's pure gold, you won't find any, any uh, quartz in there. You won't find any silver in there. You won't find, uh, that's what pure means, uncontaminated. To be uncontaminated means you are in Christ. By obeying the gospel, you're found in Christ, and friends, you will be pure in Christ. 
Outside of Christ, you're not pure. You're unpure. Amiable. That's, uh, that's another word I had, although it's not in this text. Uh, amiable means dear. And it means dear to anyone. Someone that everyone loves because of their kindness. Of good report simply means gracious and kind. Notice how all of these attributes kind of fall into a category of being a gracious, kind, loving, truthful, and righteous person. <laughs> we, we knew that, right? Virtue. In other words, if anything uh, has virtue, whatever things are virtuous, Having the attributes of God, that's what virtue is. That's the measure of virtue, God himself. Are you virtuous? Then you are like God. Moral excellence is on a little lower standard, but there. Praise. And that simply means in the Greek is to be commendable, something that is commendable. Now, here's the point. This is what we need to remember. If these things you do, whatever things, whatever things are this, then think on these things. Now, it's easy for me to say, but it's not that easy to do, is it? And I, I struggle with doing that because I see a lot of stuff. Uh, I hear a lot of things. And it's all doesn't fit in this category, but somehow, friends, uh, we need to deal with this, these negative issues and move immediately back into the positive issues. As a matter of fact, um, it, we need to filter what we do in our lives through these attitudes. You know how people filter uh, religion through some writing that somebody wrote a while ago? You know, that's how they are. That's how they live. Well, how about doing it the Bible way? I would suggest that. Whatever things, whatsoever things are, all of these exceptional words, these things we think on, and then he finishes, let me reread it because I think it's powerful. The things which you both learned and received and heard and saw in me, the apostle, in this case, the apostle Paul, these things do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now we went, we went into the, the God of peace. To really live in the peace of God, you'll have these attributes in your life. This is what true peace is. We know that peace, as men give peace, peace is, as they describe it, is the cessation of hostilities. That's the peace that, that we have in this world. It doesn't mean it won't start up again, that is the war, but it's the cessation of it. We have a peace treaty with one country, with another person. But a peace treaty with God is a peace treaty that has some real teeth because God is guaranteeing it. 
on his side. And we need to stand true, faithful, and and uh, true and faithful. Also, in in the harmony, standing firm in the in the Lord, standing firm in harmony. All of these things make our peace treaty with God something that's going to work for us. No one can break. No one can break or will break that peace treaty we have with God through Christ except ourselves. People worry about somebody stealing their salvation. What they need to worry about is them giving it up or not having it at all. That's why we must teach uh, just as Alex wrote, uh, read today out of Acts chapter 2, the pivot of the Bible, the very hinge point between men that had no real hope outside of a physical covenant, where they were awaiting their salvation through the Messiah and those that come after. In Christ, we have hope. In Christ, we have salvation. It's not just a baby in the manger. It's not just the, 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 the walking for three and a half years through Palestine preaching righteousness and the nearness of the kingdom. But being in Christ is to literally live in the kingdom. I'll leave it at that. I pray these words have great meaning to you and and comfort and hope. They are from the scripture itself. Let us close today with our singing of how great our joy is.